0: I'm Ann garriman Merkel. I'm
1: Virginia Schuette, and this is Meteor, the honest podcast about science communication with impact. Two years ago, we launched this podcast to make an advanced user space to muse and chat with you all, and so much feels different today. So this season, we're taking a look at systems of science communication, what we love, what we work to change, and how trying to change things through SciComm shapes the work that we do and the rants that we have
0: we have more up our sleeve too but we can't tell you the details yet for example we are figuring out how to offer you another round of scicom step sparking transitions for experienced
1: professionals
0: and we are looking at building more things that can help y'all make change by building relationships and helping people take action
1: if you want to know more follow us on social media or get on our email list and don't worry we just send podcast and program updates Okay, this is the less scripted part. Here we go. Like we said, this
0: season we're digging into systems and what we think about as we consciously try to change them. And to start things off today, we're taking a look at the state of the field and how that shapes our work. So the first thing y'all should know, listeners, is that we are based in the U.S. and we like to talk to people from everywhere, but we just have a US based perspective. There's just no way to get around that. So we're going to talk about the things we know, which is definitely going to be biased toward the US. Um, But I want to start by kind of like laying out the global scene that we know of. So we've been talking recently with some people in countries that say they don't even know who else does this work in their country. And like, maybe they should do something about that about like building community where they are and then we've talked to other people like in europe i know there's a really active sci scene and they have great conferences that if i were very rich i would fly over and be like let me be your friend because they seem very productive they seem very focused um and then in the u.s i feel like there are the sci space at least in conferences let's just start with that is it's like you can tack on SCICOM sessions into
1: science-related stuff. Like I know... Right. That was the beginning of the current iteration yeah, of my work.
0: Yes. Um, I remember giving presentations like at Ecological Society of America. And there are some SICOM conferences. There's the, the Inclusive SCICOM Conference and there's Science Talk. Um National Association of Science Writers has a really active, not just science writer scene, but science communicator scene.
1: Um Right, there's, yeah, I think what you're getting at, Virginia, is that there's a lot of dimensions to science communication in the SciComm field, and it feels like those are, well, let's put it this way, spectating from our side of the pond, it feels like those things are more coherent or fully integrated into some sort of professional ecosystem in other parts of the world. And in the US, it feels a bit more diffused. The National Association of Science Writers has a conference for science writing and journalism. The inclusive SCICOM conference is about a very particular dimension of it all. There's science art and all these other aspects of Scicom And it can be a little bit difficult to even scope out where you want to fit in that, let alone how to make change in it.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think <laughs> it would be so nice to get everybody together all at once. And I feel like I see like every kind of, uh, you know, the new year or the new school year or something. I feel like I <laughs> see people talking about like, hey, where are we meeting up? This Are we meeting up this year? <laughs> where is everybody going? And it's never the
1: same place. Yep, and I, and a dimension of this, at least the way that we see it over here, is that our field has not fully professionalized, and that's that. There's I think there's pros and cons to that. People come into the field from so many different backgrounds, and there's no prescriptive way to move into or through or up in the field, and honestly, that's cool. But then there's also no clearinghouses where we can fully look to them for information Mm. or understand power structures, access funding, things like that. And a lot of the systemic and structural things that have major bearing on how we do our work and the kinds of things we're trying to change are not actually run by science communicators or leaders in science communication. And that has just massive implications for... Professional development and the future of the field.
0: Yes, the first thing that I hope I'm allowed to say all this. The first thing that came to mind. I guess we'll edit it out <laughs> if you hear this. <laughs> say it outside, and we're allowed to say it. Um, um, I feel like the first thing that comes to mind is AAAS shuttered their center for for public engagement last year in 2022, and um, so they like didn't even talk about it. I know. <laughs> I, I remember going. on Twitter one time because I got an auto responder from somebody I'd been emailing and it just said we're closed now and I remember being like "What? Well, what do you mean you're
1: closed now but there's nobody you can't respond back and be like but what, <laughs> what? And you yeah you went on Twitter and were like so are we going to talk about this
0: yeah and so many people said wait what in response and then like two days later AAA's put out a press release um and and it seemed like well what I heard anyway is that it's possible that the leadership who made this change and and they didn't just dissolve the center. They moved people around um, and they put people in other other de- other departments. Well, and people important people left. True, like, we will own that. Oh, that was fine Somehow. okay Beth Ann said that part. <laughs> <laughs> but but I feel like it's it seemed like the leadership who made the decisions had AAA's broad interest in mind and may not have even realized the impact that the Center for Public Engagement had at least in in the Communities that I'm a part of, um, they were a huge player. They did so much good work, um, but I f- I felt like it's possible that the people in charge of that unit, essentially, and and their future, didn't see it the same way I did because they weren't part of the communities
1: I'm in. Yeah, Triple A S was a lighthouse for a lot of us in this corner of. Our profession, and it was just suddenly gone. And I think part of what was devastating is that we did not know that that loss was coming. Mm. We, we didn't know it
0: was coming, and zip. we didn't know that it had happened. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Unless you're emailing people and getting their honors. It was, it was like
1: a land subsidence or yeah. something. It was just not there anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously, big implications for all kinds of things in SciComm that got us really thinking about how we go about trying to change these systems and the major nuance to this that we see is whether you're trying to change them from the inside or the outside
0: yeah and to be clear so we've talked about this before Bethany. you're in an academic environment i'm freelance um, we both came at these places, you know, kind of opposite. I was academic, you were a freelance. But what we mean about working inside a system versus working without is if, if you want to change scholarly environments, like if you want to change academia, for example, I consider you to be inside academia and me to be out. Yes. I consider both of us to be in the science communication sphere, to yes. be clear. So I feel like there's no home base for science communication I don't feel like there's a common space where we all gather and operate from. It feels like the science communicators I know are all housed in somebody else's priorities, almost.
1: Mm. Again, it's not that centralizing all of this would fix things, Mm -hmm. right? We would then be dealing with how people find that central space. We would be dealing with who gets voice and power inside it, Mm -hmm. how priorities are determined, so what we're getting at here is this is an observation not necessarily a prescription of anything. And there's other layers to think about this. There's a lot that the systems that are around science communication privilege and facilitate. And then there are things especially that we try to do in science communication or through science communication that these sort of superstructure systems like you know academic funding like National Science Foundation that actually impede or neutralize or explicitly undervalue work that we're trying to do Mm -hmm. in or through science communication. Mm -hmm. Just as one example, social media work is still kind of laughed at by a lot of other academics. And you could think that, well, okay, if we at least do science communication research, then that might be more respected in academia. But at the same time, that sort of research is still not as valued or as well-funded as, say, quote-unquote, hard science. And then we should also probably talk about the little shadow in the corner, which is that a lot of us who are doing SciComm research are sort of mashing together a lot of really diverse expertise, which means that we're coming up with all kinds of really important and cool stuff. But also, we don't necessarily fit into social science spaces either.
0: Yeah, that was a lot (laughs) for you to have just laid out so clearly. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it is hard. I, I think what we're saying is... It's hard to feel like you belong to the spaces that determine your funding and your access and your reach sometimes. And I recognize how privileged this sounds like. People have been dealing with systems that kick them out for a long time. But we want to, you know, it's only useful when you define the space you're talking about. We're talking about this for SICOM. I, I think the other thing that we've been talking about with each other is that what we'd like is not just to dream a better system like, here's where people are. Let's make it better. But we would love to dream a system that could be flexible enough to allow anyone to be welcomed in, no matter how things go in the future. I mean, just since we made the last podcast season, Twitter is not called Twitter anymore. And threads came and went like two weeks ago. So I, you know, things change so fast. And and that's, I'm a social media person. So that's, that's where my mind goes. But what we want is not a system that's good for the way things are right now. What we would love is a system that's good enough to be what people need it to be into the future.
1: Yeah, resilience and flexibility. And I mean, of course, we're We're dreaming of the same things that everyone who's talking about social justice and social change are dreaming of here. It's it's a question of how people even find and join the spaces that can be meaningful and productive for them, how they can contribute to those, how those systems can support other people. You know, what kind of a science communication system do we really need so that people can have impact on it, Mm -hmm. not just go to a social media 101 workshop.
0: Yes. There are infinite ways that people can come to science communication and do science communication, and at least our perfect system would be able to support that infinity.
1: Yes, and and I will say that there's a layer to this infinity that we have a ceiling on right now, So our perfect system, I think, needs to account for the fact that a lot of what happens in science communication development corners right now is still on beginnings and kind of convincing people that science communication is important and that skill sets like that are valuable and you should get training in them and then recruiting people into those environments. And that focus means that we don't think enough in genuinely robust ways about what the more mature aspects of the system can be or would ideally be.
0: That's why we made Meteor, (laughs) (laughs) is to talk about those issues in that space.
1: Right. We needed this for ourselves, and we've seen over the three years of this podcast and the broader Meteor realm that a lot of you are feeling the same. So, I'm going to do something kind of nerdy here. She already did it, <laughs> listeners. We did this like a couple hours ago. But yes, please continue. <laughs> we have actually worked hard at a single sentence that really says what we're thinking about what this advanced career end of the SICOM world looks like right now. The yeah. actual state of the system.
0: <laughs> Sounds very like blockbuster movie-ish.
1: Right, or like even what's the nature of people at this end of the system? Like, how do we describe what they are? Not so much the quote unquote system itself. Okay,
0: so hit us with the nerd talk nerd. Oh, that's in the title, isn't it? Talk nerdy to me, Bethan. <laughs> okay, <laughs> oh, <I'm> sorry. Okay, <laughs> I apologize.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna read you our sentence. Advanced science communicators are a complex blend of well networked highly skilled professionals with less access to traditional power brokering, institutions, funders, and professional societies compared to other STEM professions.
0: Once you maybe listen back to that, (laughs) we know that's a long sentence, but we assume you're going to have opinions, which is why you're joining us for the podcast. So we would love to hear how you would edit that. And for sure, tell us if you think we're absolutely 100% correct or even 50% right. Um, I'm just going to move on to the wrap-up because it's about that time. And I want to have you all tell us what you, <laughs> what you think about our sentence. So I want to close with, I'm I'm the CMO of a startup now. Um, so I'm helping develop this business. I'm a co-founder for it. And I'm thinking about marketing, especially. It's going to be my concentration for this company that we're making. Um... Not with Beth Ann, with someone else. And I was reading about how to make a pitch deck. And a blog post started with what a startup is, which I found kind of silly at the time because I was like, well, a startup is a company that you're starting. But that wasn't, <laughs> <actually what> they, <laughs> that wasn't actually what they said at all. They said that a startup is a company that is being made to be flexible enough to find needs and meet them. And I really liked that idea that the focus is not on making the thing. It's on making something that can figure out the best version of the thing for current needs, but then set up to modify into the future as you learned more about it. So I've been thinking about that a lot. If we're talking about a nice system for Psycom, again, I want to come back to that idea that we're not just going to make something, but we're going to make something that can move with what people need and meet them there
1: yeah i mean what you're talking about is essentially that the startup mindset can be a theory of change for our own
0: field that sounds very fancy i for sure agree with that i think we should we should end now <laughs> so
1: over to you listeners tell us what's one big change in the psychom system that would open up space for you to do the work that you want to be doing You've been listening to Meteor, the honest podcast about science communication with impact. To join this conversation, tell us what you think about SCICOM systems change. You can do that on social media using at or you can submit a note on our website, meteorscicom.org. Talk soon.